Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Amen. Well, let me mention a couple of things before I get started into our message this morning, uh, continuing the series, It Is Written. And I hope you really take this series of messages to heart. I'm going to tell you something. The greatest difference this year will, that the greatest difference maker in your year, this year, blah, will be the Word of God inside of you. I'm just telling you that. I believe that with all of my heart. Uh, I want to make mention of a couple things. We had our first uh, small groups Thursday night that happened this past week. We had a number of people coming out. Um, how many, Troy, how many did the ladies have? 25 that were here. 40 signed up though, right? How many? I thought I heard like 40 somewhere. I don't know how. We had a lot of women here. We had two men here. One of them was the leader. Just, just saying. I don't want to say guys are slackers when it comes to this stuff, but I might just be saying guys are slackers when it comes to this stuff. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Uh, we also had a new beginnings class, uh, Foundations of Faith class that George was teaching. Let me tell you something. If you're one of those people that just says, you know what? I'd like to know the foundations better. I'd like to know the scriptures better. Come to this class. I'm telling you, you, it'll give you a foundation from which other things will begin to happen in your life. And I'm just telling you, it'll give you something that you haven't had. And it really is. Um, let me mention something else. It's funny. How many of you know that we, the, the announcement started while I was speaking? I want to tell you how that happened. This is funny. McKenna sneezed. And when she sneezed, she hit the button. <laughs> So I just wanted you to know it wasn't because somebody hit the button at the wrong time. It was that they, she sneezed at the wrong time. So anyhow, and, and, and you know, Peter's word to them about his presence will be with them and, and everything that Peter said to them and about the call of God as well. And You know, one thing I can tell you this. I've often said this to my staff. The one thing I learned about in my life, I started here in 1999 as your lead pastor. Um, no experience no pedigree that gets me a position, no resume that would get me a position, no experience, and yet I know this. It was God who put me in that place. And what I know is the certainty of the call is the sustainment of the call when things get tough. That when you know that you know that you know that it was God who put you where you are, when you're going through whatever it is that you're going through, you say, it's not me that put me here. It wasn't Daddy who put me here. It wasn't a resume that put me here. God put me here. And so I want you to just know that certainty will become the sustainment of the call in those tough times. And, uh, okay, it is written. We've been doing the uh, start of series last week. Peter's going to preach next week on praying the word. And um, this is such an important message, important series, the importance of knowing the word of God. We have an all, we're at an all-time high in terms of social media and technology to have the Bible at our fingertips at any moment, and biblical illiteracy is at an all-time high. Um, and so can we, the question is, can we in times of testing do what Jesus did? Jesus looked at the devil in a time of testing and said what? It is written. All right, temptation to sin, can we respond with it is written. Temptation and tribulation and trial and persecution and adversity. Can we say, can we literally say it is written? It's amazing to me sometimes how we try to fight sin. We try to fight sin with anything but the Word of God. We try to fight temptation with anything but the Word of God. You know, uh, there's a lot of, it's amazing to me, even in churches today, there's a lot of messages out there of self-help messages that are more about you than it is the Word of God doing the work in you. We, got to, we really, we really got to get this, all right? Um, the testing can come in all kinds of situations and opportunities. Do we know what is written? 
Can you say what is written? Can you do what is written? Let me remind you, whenever we look in the Scriptures, we're seeing them, in the New Testament particularly, they're receiving the spoken word of God. But how many know we're blessed that we can still receive a spoken word from God, but we also have what was his spoken word to them that became the written word of God? How many know the written word of God is every bit as much as the spoken word of God? Amen? Can we reap the benefit of knowing the word of God and operating on the word of God? In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells a parable of a sower who went out and sowed seed. It's actually a kingdom parable. And I want you to understand something. The first, let me bring this first scripture up, okay? It says this, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, let me stop right there for a moment. Understand something. It is the word of of the kingdom, all right? Uh, we, we've, got, we've, we've lost that somewhere, all right? It is the word of the kingdom, the royal power of Jesus as the triumphant Messiah. How many know he is the triumphant Messiah? When, okay, John preached what? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus preached, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The apostles went and preached, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The message was always the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. All right, and we've, but I'm gonna tell you something. The church world has sometimes reduced the message of the kingdom by only focusing upon Calvary. Now, I know some of you are like, oh, not speaking against the cross. The cross was part of the total message. It, in and of itself, was not the total message. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right, let's understand it. The kingdom. The word of the kingdom is not just the word of salvation, the word of Calvary, the word of you going to heaven. The word of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of the Messiah. The kingdom of heaven in comparison to the kingdoms of the world. Listen to me this morning. When you receive the kingdom of the world, how many of you know you no longer operate according to the kingdoms of the world? Yes, okay. This is... When you receive... The kingdom message, the word of the kingdom, the culture of the kingdom, the belief of the kingdom, the way that you live according to the kingdom. It is the kingdom word that should totally transform your life in the midst of the kingdoms of the world. Now, it's, it's a word of a culture, not of this world. It is a word of a culture that we live in, not just when we die. The kingdom of heaven is not when we die, just when we die. It is, it's either part of our life now or not. It is a word that helps us live now according to a kingdom we will one day live in. So Jesus says, he said what? He said, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown into his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. Now we're going to talk about this. So Jesus talks about a sower that goes out. He sows seed. And this seed is the same in every situation. All right, the seed is the same every situation of this text. The soil is what's different. Okay, listen to me. How many know today there are a whole bunch of different people in here? How many know we're all the same? And everybody say amen. Aren't you glad you're not like me? <laughs> all right, listen to me for a moment. The seed was the same, the soil was different. Even the threats to the seed were different. One was stolen by the evil one. In one, affliction and persecution 
caused it to fall away. In the other, it was the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth that choked out the word. And so I want to start this morning, and I just want to take us on a little journey through this and bring us to a place where what I want to create at the end is that you walk out of here today knowing the power of the Word of God as seed in your life that produces fruit in your life. All right? So let's talk about this. All right. Jesus says this verse scripture. The Word of God, let me, let me tell you something. How many know that the seed, the Word, the word of God is the seed of today that produces the fruit of tomorrow. If I want fruit tomorrow, I'm talking kingdom fruit, godly fruit. Uh, okay, let's start, let's, let's start somewhere for a moment. Let's start, first of all, inside of me. How many of you want to be a different person? So, how many of you are just, somebody who's just content with who you are? <laughs> okay, we'll help you. We'll tell you later what's wrong with you. Okay, no, all right, but inside of us, I think all of us know there are certain things inside of us that we would love to change and have a different fruit produced out of our life. How does that happen? How many know it does not happen by our own ingenuity, our own intellect, our own ability, but rather the Bible says that his word comes into my heart and it transforms me from inside out. And so the seed, which is the word of God, produces fruit tomorrow and it's fruit that I cannot produce on my own. All right? So listen to me. So let's, let us understand the power of the seed. It's my fruit of tomorrow. Okay, listen to me this morning. How many of you, and, and I'm not, I'm talking about the internal transformation. Let me ask you this question. How many of you would like to reap financial blessing out of Scripture. Now listen to me. You say, well, you, you don't go to the Scripture for financial blessing. Really? Do you know how many times this Bible talks about how he'll bless me financially if I am obedient and operate according to kingdom principles? They're either kingdom principles or not kingdom principles. And I'm not talking about you being a greedy person and saying, oh, no, I figured out how to use the word of God to get money. No, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you operating by kingdom principles that are in God's word that produces a financial blessing in your life. They're there. Some people don't believe that, I guess. But they're there. How many know the Bible gives you principles on how to deal with your enemy? How many know we want to deal with our enemy our way? Like, no, no, I'm not going to do this on my own. I got this, God. How many want to deal with offense on your own? How many of the Bible tells you how to deal with offense? In other words, the point is, there is fruit that God wants to produce. There's even fruit that you want, but there's seed that brings about the fruit. The Word of God is the seed of today that produces the fruit of tomorrow. Now watch this. So Jesus has this first example. He says that when anyone hears the Word and does not understand it. How many of you can hear the Word and not understand the Word? All right, how many of you have, how many would confess that sometimes you hear it and just don't get it? I've been there, all right? When that happens, the evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown. This is the seed that was sown beside the road. Now, get this, so Jesus is saying in this context that there's a time when a man can receive the word in his heart. Let me ask you a question. Has there, how many of you can confess there have been times in your life where you've heard the word or you've read the word and your heart just burned? Like it just burned, like whoa, that impacted me in a dynamic way. Remember last week we talked about the, the two on the road to Emmaus. Remember what they said? They said, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us and explaining the scriptures to us, okay? 
I would suggest to you today that you can hear and read the Word of God that will stir your heart. I remember I was 12 or 13 years old, and my mother came to this church. I think it was 1977 when it was down there, Pleasant Valley Assembly of God. I'm a Catholic kid coming into this crazy, whacked-out bunch of Pentecostal goofballs. Can I get an amen? Anybody know what I'm talking about the first time you walked into one of these places? And I'm going in here, and I'm like, whoa, my mother's lost it. She's joined some cult. She's really getting weird. She's still weird, all right? I didn't say weird was bad. And I remember just thinking, oh, my gosh, this is so weird. People got their hands raised. People are happy in church. Like, really, they're happy in church. They got joy. I mean, Wow. And then all of a sudden, somebody started talking in some weird language. Oh, dear Lord, help me. You're praying to the God you don't even know just to get you out of there. And then, of course, they had pretty girls, too. That worked. That was okay. Married one of them pretty girls. But let me tell you something I knew. I didn't understand a thing. I didn't understand what was going on. It was weird. But somewhere even in my teenage heart, something was stirred that I knew something was genuine. Something was authentic. Something was different. I had no understanding. I had no idea. But I knew something. I've even said that to people in my church sometimes. I said, you come in here and you're not sure and it's weird and, it's, and you're not sure what to think of it. But you know that there's something real there, don't you? And I said, yeah. You see, there's times in our life where the word of God speaks into our heart. And it moves us and it stirs us. And we receive it there. Because the, 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 the heart is the seat of affections. It's the seat of our emotions. It's the seat of our passions. How many know you love with your heart? Thank you for that one man back there who yelled at I said, I, guys, guys, how many times we got to do this? Remember? It's like I play in volleyball. I'm setting you up for a big amen. And you get big points when you say yeah, amen. So let's try it again, okay? All right, how many know you love from the heart? Yeah. Oh, you guys did so much better. Okay? Like, and so you love from the heart, and, and, and all of a sudden, so now I receive the word. It comes into my heart. There's something happening, and there's a stirring that's going on, and there's something burning within me. But then I don't understand it. And there's this lack of understanding that then causes it to be stolen by the enemy. Hmm. See, the word stirred my appetite. It stirred my heart. It stirred my passion. But this lack of understanding allowed it to be stolen. The lack of understanding created an atmosphere where the evil one could steal it. See, the seed is powerful. It's deposited into the heart. And the seed is stolen from the heart because of a lack of understanding. You see, I think when I'm reading the scripture, understanding is the protector of seed that is deposited in the heart. Okay? So now this, this Jesus says, because he didn't understand it, it was stolen. Hmm. So understanding is the protector of seed deposit in the heart. But here's the tragedy of that. How many know when, I steal, when, I, when the enemy steals today's seed, how many know he also steals tomorrow's fruit? You see, when today's seed is stolen, tomorrow's fruit is stolen. And so how do I, I got to come to a place where this understanding comes into my life. Understanding, that word means to put together, to comprehend. It means the perception with the thing that is perceived, to put together 
with the thing that is received, to set or join together in the mind, right? To understand, to be a man of understanding. And I'm looking at this and I'm saying, man, how does this work? I received the word into my heart, but if I don't understand it, it gets stolen. And so I want to become a person of understanding. And how do I become this person of understanding? Well, let me say something to you this morning. I believe that if you will take the word of God and the word of God takes root in your heart and then you have a take root in your head where there's a mental capacity to it, I believe the marriage between the mental and the heart produces understanding that protects the word of God. Right? Okay, let me say it this way. Understanding is the fruit of a marriage between the heart and the head. When I can get the heart and the head in the same bed. <laughs> that rhymes. I just made that up. It really is. It's like profound, isn't it? I get fruit of understanding. You see, some of you, listen to me, some of us, myself included, have at times in our life heard the word of God. It has stirred our heart. It has moved my heart. It has moved my emotions. It has moved my passions. It has moved my appetites, but I've never done anything with it. I've never picked up the actual word of God to begin to study what has stirred my heart, to begin to, under, the, to get some knowledge of what was stirring my heart. But when I do that, all of a sudden, I walk away with something in my mind and in my heart, and now I have understanding. You know, I, I, I have sometimes, let me say something. How many of you ever have those moments like this is probably a particular time of year where you, I'm going to get healthy this year? Okay, well, you know, everybody gets on that kick, right? And so you're going to get healthy. And so you have it in your heart. But how many know that you have to have an understanding of how to get healthy? In other words, I got to know, you know, because like, like, you know, then you get these food Nazis like, you know, Lindsay and Jen and all them. And they're like, you know, I'm thinking I'm eating this because I'm being healthy. And all of a sudden they're going, well, you know, that's really this. this. Oh, shut up, okay. I'm trying. Like, well, I had this because it's sugar-free. Oh, you know, sugar-less is better than sugar-free. Fine, whatever. And all these. But the truth of the matter is once I come to a place of understanding how to get healthy, now the, under, the knowledge of how to do it gives me understanding that goes with my heart, and now I get healthy. The Word of God is something to be received in the heart, in the head, that marriages come together and produces understanding. Do not think you can live on one or the other. You cannot just have an intellectual approach to the Word of God and not have it take root in your heart. That marriage will bring you understanding. Okay, let's talk about this next one for a moment. Okay, no, 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 not yet. Aha. All right? So there's a remedy. What you hear with your heart, study with your head. Come on. In other words, here's an idea. You can even go home today... Take what Pastor Jim was preaching about. Actually look it up for yourself. Study it for yourself. Say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me and give me understanding of what's in your word. I promise you, if you'll do a heart and head, you'll walk away with understanding. What you study, what you hear with your heart, study with your head, what you study with your head will enforce what's in your heart. What is in the heart will be enforced in the head. Then you will live and operate with understanding. Listen to what the scripture says. Proverbs, what's the result of that? Proverbs says what? 
Understanding is a fountain of life to one who has it. He who neglects discipline despises himself, but he who listens to reproof acquires understanding. I mean, the scripture will reprove you. A wise man will hear an increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. How many know this morning, if you want to grow in understanding of the Word of God, here's an idea. Take what's burning in your heart, combine it with a knowledge of the Word of God, actually get into a Thursday night small group where discipleship is taking place. Just thought I'd throw that shameless plug out there. And watch what happens. You'll become a person of understanding. All right? Let's talk about this second one, this, this next one, where the Word was sown on the rock. Okay, the one whom the scene was sown in rocky places, this is the man who hears the word, receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but it's only temporary. And when affliction and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. How many remember that, that um, windstorm we had a couple weeks ago? Yeah, you know, I ended the year putting shingles on, I put, started the year putting shingles on. All right, I, start, I ended the year repenting. I started the year repenting, <laughs> okay? All right? But when we had that, I didn't know this. Paul Holland told me because, you know, he told me after he did all the work. But one of these pine trees right over here fell down across the driveway. But it's interesting. I don't think, Paul, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think it was uprooted. It actually broke off. The roots were so strong in that tree that it actually broke from the top rather than being uprooted. How many know had the root system not be strong, it would have uprooted the tree and knocked it over? I mean, in our life, storms hit, winds hit, trials hit, affliction hit, persecution hits, you name it, it hits. But how many know you can stand strong because of a root system in Christ? Right? The problem, listen to me, the problem is not the root. The problem is the soil. How many know the root is the unseen producer of fruit? How many, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, look, that's a nice apple. That's a nice, nice, that's a nice rose. That's so pretty. How many times have you ever said, that's a beautiful root? That root is just, look at that root. That is such a pretty root. I mean, our roots are ugly. You hide them. You bury them. You put them in deep. And the root becomes the life of the plant. The root is the unseen producer of fruit. We protect the roots of a tree. We dig a hole. One time I was out in Peter's years ago when he lived in the state of Indiana. He's like a gopher. He was digging holes everywhere to plant trees. What a weirdo. Like, what are you doing? Like, just like everywhere I looked, he had a hole in the ground. And he would do it just right. It has to be so deep. Then he puts stuff in there. And he puts some stuff in there to make it grow. And all this stuff he was doing to protect the roots so that it would grow. How many, know, how many ever do any gardening, digging up weeds? You know, and this is, this is how it is in our house when we were doing it. Penny would say, and we would do it. I would help her. And I hate gardening with everything in me. <sighs> I hate it. Despise it. And we're digging stuff. Oh, okay, dig that weed up, dig that. Make sure you get the roots. I just whack it off. I know it comes back, but I whack it off again. All right? Make sure you get the roots. I always hear this every time we do something. And then I told you the story years ago. The one time I tried, I thought, I'm going to be husband of the year. Remember this story? I'll tell you again. I just got to tell it today. I don't know why. And I was going to be husband of the year. She was going to redo the flower bed in front of the house. Redo. Redo. Makes sense. 
She went to work. I was off. So I redid the flower bed. I dug every plant out of that flower bed and threw it in a pile over there. I got new dirt put in. I got new mulch and I put it in. I was ready for her to go home and be so happy because I redid the flower bed. <laughs> and then she came home. And I heard, what did you do? Oops. Oh, this is not good. I redid the flower bed. <laughs> Guys, if she ever says redo the flower bed, wait for instructions. <laughs> it was not a good day. But I got all the roots. <laughs> I got them. They never grew again. <laughs> Except hostile lilies. How many know you can almost kill a hostile lily and that sucker will grow? I like hostile lilies. Where'd the root come from, though? The root came from seed. Come on. Come on. The root came from seed. Seed produced something of a root that then caused fruit to grow. Then again had seed, which produced fruit roots that, yeah, roots that produced fruit. You kill the root. How many know you kill the fruit? All right, and so, so understand this in our life. And so this affliction was an assault on the seed. This persecution was an assault on the seed. All right, and, and now because there's no root in this person, he falls away. Listen to me this morning. Some of us have been saved for 30 years, but we don't have a root system more than a year. Because I want to tell you something. The fact of the matter is, the root is a product of the seed. The root is the product of the seed. It, it means it collapsed under pressure. Collapsed under pressure. Rocky places have shallow soil. Although there are things that grow in rocky places, right? George, olive trees. Seed produced something, I'm sorry, Rocky places are places with limited soil. It's vulnerable places because there's no depth. We've got an epidemic of superficial Christianity in our country. Just telling you the way it is. We've got an epidemic of superficial Christianity where we're operating by sound bites and cliches and not getting roots deep into the Word of God. Okay. Now listen, I like what Luke said. Luke said it this way. Those on the rocky soil, those who when they hear, reserve the word with joy, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while, but in a time of temptation, they, follow, they fall away. How do I develop a roots in my life? Roots come from fruit. How do I develop depth? I do it from the word of God. Let me hurry on. Everybody said, Boy, the Tyrone section was all over that one. And, and by the way, Linda, when I'm done today, go straight home. Your husband was giving me the business last night, and he said that you never get home because I preach too long. I said, the fact of the matter is she preaches longer than I do when I'm done preaching. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> then now there's a, the, the seed among thorns. All right, and the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. You see, the assault on the seed in this instant was on the inside of the person. The other ones was an external assault. 
This one was on the inside. What's on the inside is attacking the very word that has been deposited on the inside. How many know you will war against you sometimes? The outside conditions of the world cause an internal condition of the heart. How many of you have ever had a heart that has been impacted by what's going on outside of you? Worry comes from the inside about things on the outside. Anxiety comes from the inside about things on the outside. Worry is poison to the heart of a man to render the word of God impotent in our lives. Let me say it again. Worry is a poison to the heart of a man to render the word of God impotent in our life. Look what, the, look what he said. He said, and the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choked the word and it became unfruitful. The seed had power. The seed had potential within it. It became unfruitful because of worry and deceit of what was inside of a person. How many, how many know that you can render the word of God impotent in your life? How many know the only thing stronger than God's will is your will? Come on. How many know you can say no? How many know you can choose to sin and it's not God's will for your life? How many know when we won't operate by the word of God, we're rendering it impotent and the fruit that comes out of it? What's, it's interesting. Remember scripture Jesus says? He talks about this. Let me, let me read you some scripture. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor your body as what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, nor do they gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Now watch what he says. Are you not worth more than they? So what's the antidote to worry? The antidote to worry is worth. Knowing your worth to God is the antidote to the worries of the world. Why would I worry if the Bible's telling me that my father, who I have great value in his eyes, will take care of me? I have at times in my life, recently, taken my granddaughter, put her in my arms, and said, would Pappy let anybody hurt you? Would Pappy let anything hurt you? You're more important to me than anything else. Hmm? We were at New Year's... New Year's Eve, we were in a movie theater, and all of a sudden the fire alarms go off. Great. And that, she's just looking around like, oh. I pick her up, carry her out. Don't you worry, baby. Pappy's got you. Why? Because she's worth more to me. Do you understand what the Bible says about God? The Bible says that you are worth more to him than anything else in this world. Are you not m worth much more than they Allow your worth to him to dictate how much you worry. Let's go on. Wealth. He said, and wealth is deceiving. Hmm. Wealth is deceiving not because wealth is bad. How many know wealth is not bad? Okay, it could be a reason why some of us don't have wealth here. I'm going to say this again. Wealth is not bad. It is amoral. I prefer to have wealth. <laughs> I'm just telling you. But listen to me for a moment. Wealth is deceptive when it promises what it cannot produce. How many know wealth cannot produce joy? It cannot produce love. It cannot produce peace. 
It cannot produce satisfaction. It cannot produce a lot. But yet, sometimes we believe the lie that it can, and therefore we what? Chase after it. And we chase it, and we believe a lie, and it deceives us. It's deceptive. Listen to me. It is deceptive when it causes you to ignore the Word of God. It is deceptive whenever it will cause you to trust it more than God. Remember the story? Rich young roller heard the words of God, heard the words of Jesus. He wanted to follow Jesus. Something in his heart stirred. The words of Jesus stirred his heart. When he heard it, he wanted to follow. He wanted to go with Jesus. Then Jesus laid it on him. He said what? Go sell all you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. And what did he do? The Bible says he went away sad because he had great wealth. He didn't follow Jesus because of the seductiveness and the deceit of wealth. When wealth gets in the way of following the word in Jesus, it has become deceptive and has seduced you to a place of barrenness in your life. It's amazing. How many know wealth can steal you? How many know wealth can rob you of faith? You don't need to operate by faith. It can. On the contrary, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus hears the words of Jesus. Jesus comes to his house. All of a sudden, Zacchaeus, who was a lying, cheap thief, <laughs> stopped and he said to the Lord, Behold, I'll give half my possessions I give to the poor. And anyone I've defrauded, I'll give them back four times as much. I mean, somebody heard the word of God that took root in the heart and the head and became action to his life. You see, it was the condition of the soil that impacted the condition of the seed. The seed was the same. The seed had power. The seed had potential. But it was the soil that caused it to become unfruitful. Many years ago, we, drew, we grew giant pumpkins. Why, I have no idea. Because Penny had a competition with her friends at work to see who could grow the biggest pumpkin. How many know that made work for me? How many husbands know that thing, we did this and we did that? How many know sometimes there ain't no we about it? Like, you know, a couple years ago, we built an addition onto the house. It was a limited we, let me tell you. This is not a slight against her. I'm the carpenter. I'm the construction guy. But if there was any we in it, it was me doing the work outside and her playing the we inside. <laughs> right? Like, 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 come on. Right? Now think about this. Think about this for a moment. We grew these giant pumpkins, and man, we had, to, we, we had to buy seeds that were $10 a piece for a stupid seed. One pumpkin seed that was $10. And then they'd do all this stuff to it. I don't know, I think we got a 300-pound pumpkin that you can't even eat. Did all this stuff. Wanted to make the soil just right so that seed could maximize its potential. Do you understand this morning that this seed right here, that this soil right here can impact that seed of God? It means choke, to press round, or to throng as of to suffocate. That the worries of life 
And the deceitfulness of wealth choked out the word of God. Man. Caused the word to become barren. The condition of the seed impacted the, or was impacted by the condition of the soil. Let me move on. Let me, all right. Let's talk about this last one. And the one in whom the seed was sown on the good soil. This is the man who hears the word and understands it and indeed brings fruit, bears fruit and brings forth a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. Now let me say this to you. The reason that the sower sows seed is to produce fruit for the sower. Can I suggest to you that the number one reason God plants seed in you is not for you, but rather for him. And that does not make him narcissistic. <laughs> that he puts seed in you to produce for him who is the sower. Like I said, I own why we planted a pumpkin seed that we couldn't eat. Sometimes we think God is that one that we want him to put something in us and get no return on investment. That he put a seed in us just so we could go to heaven. Oh, stop living so shallow and superficial. I really don't like the one part. Can I just tell you that I love the song, Beautiful Name. Love that song, except for one line in it. Except for one line in it. He didn't want heaven without us, so. I don't like that line. And all the rest of you, oh, but I really like that line. Can I tell you that first of all, we were never created for heaven? Have you read the book of Genesis? Oh boy. Have you read the book of Genesis? How I many know heaven is not a place we're going to go sit on clouds and play harps all day? Thank you, Jesus. There's nothing more boring sounding to me than that. I'll, get, I'll, I'll go to that message some other day. Don't, don't, don't go there right now, Jim. Make no mistake about it. Jesus, the sower, plants his seed to produce fruit. He didn't plant the seed within you just so you can get to heaven, but rather so the kingdom resides within you and that you produce fruit according to the kingdom and for the kingdom. All right? Many people think he planted it in you for you. He just didn't, okay? This seed... The same seed that just a moment ago became unfruitful was now becoming fruitful. What changed? The seed? No, the seed never changed. The soil changed. The problem was not the seed. The problem was the soil. The seed is the power and the potential, but the soil is the recipient of it. All right? Now listen to me. Here's what's really cool. Here's what's really cool about this. That when you look at this, it says they printed the seed and it gave birth 160 and even 30. You know what's a great thing about it? Kingdom fruit is often disproportionate to kingdom seed. Think about this. Wait a minute. He planted seed and I got a hundredfold harvest. I got a 60-fold harvest. I got a 30-fold harvest. How many of you ever planted money and got back from the kingdom of God more than you planted? Some of you say, I never had that happen. Do it once. In the right heart. Think about this for just a moment. I, I, I got a screen I want to show you, okay? Yeah, give me that next screen about the apple tree. All right? Sneeze, McKenna. <laughs> the average apple tree produces about 300 apples. Wow, right? In a growing season. The average apple contains five apple seeds. 
one apple tree will produce about 1,500 seeds per season. Those 1,500 seeds then potentially produce 450,000 apples and another 2,250,000 seeds. My goodness, are you seeing it? How many know that the fruit that came from the seed is far beyond and disproportionate to the amount of seed that was sown? The amazing thing about God's kingdom is his doesn't make sense sometimes. His economy doesn't make sense. His system doesn't make sense that he sows a seed here that produces incredible fruit over here. You say, what do you mean by that? How many know the word of God in your life will have an impact on your life? But listen to me for a moment. Mom, dad, it will also have an effect on your spouse's life and your children's lives. Your children's life will be better if the seed of God lives inside of you. Your children's life, your grandchildren's life will be better if the seed of God has produced fruit out of your life. The fact, the fact of the matter is, some of you today have kids who are suffering because the seed has not been planted into your heart and into your life. Ouch, I know. How do I know that? I've done both. Where times I've sown seed and it's been good. I've sown, how many know sometimes we sow seed that we pray for God to kill? How many ever pray, oh God, kill that one? <laughs> it will have an effect on your life, your spouse's life, your children's life, and your grandchildren's life. You want your grandchildren to be blessed. You want your children to be blessed. Become the soil that the seed of God is planted within. Get a hunger for the word of God. Let it get into your heart. Let it burn in your heart. Let it come part of your mind. That it's second nature that you can, not, not quote it for quoting its sake. No, that you can quote it in times of trial and tribulation and hardship. That is a natural thing out of you. I'm not good at scripture memorization. Not good. But I know the context of this word. I'm getting ready to close. And give me those three magical words. Help me today. You guys are so good at that part. Come on, Troy. Listen to me. The seed, the word of God, will have a multiplied effect upon your life. It will have a multiplied effect upon your life. You say, but, but, you see, in this parable of Jesus concerning the word of the kingdom into the lives of men, this word is like seed sown into the soil of humanity. The seed is the same in all instances. The soil is different in all instances. Soil by the road, soil in rocky places, soil among thorns. In each of those three cases, the soil became an inhibitor to the power of the seed. Listen to me. The problem today is not the Word of God. In each case, the seed was unable to produce the fruit possessed in the seed. But the good soil was the man who heard it, combined it with understanding or knowledge, and ended up with understanding. Here's the good news. I got some really good news to close this with. The soil can change. The soil can change. That is the great promise in this whole thing, is that I promise you that the soil, this person, this vessel can change. And you say, 
How? How can it change? One, let me give it to you real quick, right? How does this soil change? The soil is changed by the seed. The seed changes the soil. I have a blacktop driveway that has some cracks in it. And underneath there somewhere some stinking weed with a root system that actually grows up through that hard, rocky, blacktop driveway and changes it. Do you know when you put a seed in the ground, and George has a bunch of technological, technology, techie, techie words for all this, and I don't because he's a forestry major and I wasn't, and he knows all that stuff, and he's one of those sick gardeners. But anyhow, okay. But the seed actually can change the soil to where it's put. It breaks up the soil through the root system. I mean, you know, it'll break it up. You know what the Bible tells us? The Bible tells us, in, the Bible told uh, the people of God through the prophet Jeremiah to dig up the fallow soil. Break up your fallow ground. Do not sow among soil. I'm going to tell you something. You know what the Word of God does long enough if you don't take it to root? It actually will make you harder. It, it is time that you allow the Word of God to dig up the fallow ground, that which has become hard. Hosea, sow with a root of view to righteousness, reap in accordance with kindness. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you. The seed changed a man named Peter. The seed changed a man named Saul. The seed changed a man named Zacchaeus. The seed changed a woman caught in adultery. It is the seed of God that changes the soil. Let me give you a scripture out of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, you know this scripture. For the word of God is living, and it's active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it pierces as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Hmm. The word of God judges my thoughts and the intentions of my heart. Let me say this to you this morning. What you allow the word to judge, you allow the word to change. What you allow the word to judge, you allow the word of God to change. That's what I mean by that. How many of those, some of us today are sitting in here this morning and we've got actions and attitudes in our heart right now that are not the word of God, that are not God, that you're holding a fence, you're holding a grudge, you've been jealous, you've been that, you've been this, you're operating in sin, you're living in sin, and yet you will not allow the word of God to judge it. But I promise you this, when you come to a place where you say, God, search my heart, God, use your word to judge my heart, you're now looking at him and saying, judge my heart, but change my heart. The great thing about God to judge is that when he judges your heart, how many know he also changes your heart? But some of us will not allow the word of God to judge our heart. We ignore it. We put it to the side. I want to be angry. I want to be bitter. I want to hold offense. I want to have a grudge. I want to be that way. It's not the word of God. And guess what's happening? Inside of you, fruit is dying. You're dying inside out. When God said, I want to produce fruit from inside out. Let me, let my word judge your heart and judge it, the intentions and thoughts of your heart. 
countless times in the scripture you see where Jesus would judge the thoughts and, and, and the intentions of a man's heart to bring, produce change in a man's life. Another scripture I want to give you. Paul was talking to the Thessalonians. He said, for this reason, we constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God. Watch this. Which also performs its work in you who believe. When I'm, when I'm honestly sitting down and I'm honestly allowing his word to speak to my heart and I'm putting myself into his word, all of a sudden it's doing a work inside of me. It's doing the work. I, I, I tell you something. We, we did all we could to plant those dumb pumpkin seeds. But once it was planted, it was kind of on its own under the ground. We watered it, all that dumb stuff. You see, the Word of God performs a work that changes the form of the soil. The Word of God literally works and performs inside of me and changes the landscape of this soil. Listen to me this morning. I'm going to tell you something. I can say this pretty confidently. I am not a perfect man. Shocking. But I'm a better man than I was 20 years ago. 25 years ago. And Penny should have jumped up and shouted hallelujah. I'll make you a promise. If you allow the seed in your heart, in your life, it will perform a work that you cannot do. But it'll be a work that you say, oh, I'm so glad he did it. Last one. Peter, since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you've been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living, enduring Word of God. <laughs> it, it, it's so cool about this, is that the Word of God is the imperishable seed put in perishable men to produce imperishable fruit. It's so cool. I plant a tree. I plant an apple tree. I plant a pumpkin, giant pumpkin. Guess what? It's rotten away. It's going to be mush. It's going to be perishable. But the seed of God, the imperishable word of God, produces fruit that's imperishable. It's absolutely. What am I saying to you? I'm saying today there's a soil, that you are the soil to receive the word of God. The seed of the word will change your life. It will produce fruit that you desire to produce. It will impact you and generations to come. It will change your heart of cynicism. Hmm. I'm going to do a message. I told you not too long ago. I'm going to do a message someday called the spirit of cynicism. But I'm going to spell it S-I-N. Some of us are better at being cynical than we are anything else. The word of God was spoken word of God that became the written word of God that you and I have. It's just not an intellectual ascent to knowledge, but rather it is this emotional, passional, heartfelt, heartburned thing that becomes combined with my mental and now it gives me understanding and it changes my life. And listen to me. I'm done. Almost. 
Because you know what we call Troy, it's four closings. Listen to me. At the plant, grass. We planted grass. <laughs> Put that grass out there. Guess what I did every day? This was like last year when we didn't have any rain. I watered it, and we watered it, and we watered it, and we watered it, and we watered it every day. And you water it some more. Why? I want the grass to grow. Well, let me say something to you this morning. If you're coming here once a week and getting a little dose of the Word of God, and you're wondering why there's no fruit in your life, hello, I might want to suggest this morning that perhaps, maybe, just possibly, you'll want to get into the Word of God on a daily basis. And I'm going to go a step farther. Here I go. I'm really going to get myself in trouble. Here I go. I'm going to go a little bit farther. And I'm going to suggest to you that it's not about you being obligated to God to do a devotional. And I would suggest to you that I would produce, that I would say to you, get yourself a devotional that's a little more than superficial that some of them are. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm on a roll. Like, 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 come on, man. Let's go deep. Let's go deep. In the Word of God. Because I'm telling you, the Word of God will change you from the inside out because it is seed. Oh, God, give us a love for your Word. Give us a heart and a head for your Word. Because when we get a heart and a head for your Word, we'll even stop saying some of those stupid cliches that are unbiblical. God's in control. I'll oh, stop that nonsense. <laughs> Somebody just said, oh no, where's he going? Nowhere, I'm not going there. Just saying. Come on, let's become people of the word so that he can produce the fruit of the word into our life. All right, I told you I'm done. Father, we want to be soil. We want to be good soil for your word for your written word as much as the words that you speak to us by the spirit of God we want to be good soil and so this is what we're going to do we're going to, we're going to just look at you and we're just going to say you know what Lord do your work in this soil you dig up the fallow ground I'm, uh, we this morning are saying it's your soil it's your soil. Do your work. And he begins to dig up the fallow places. He begins to dig up the hard places. That that ground that once became a place of thievery for the enemy is no longer a place of thievery. That now what's in my heart is in my head. And this marriage gives me understanding in which I operate in life by. Father, that we would just not have a mental, intellectual assent to the Word. Nor would we have just an emotional attraction to the Word. But it would be this marriage of the two that produces this incredible fruit. That's disproportionate even to the seed. So I pray today that we would say, change the soil. Change the soil. Change the soil. 
Come on, stand with me. Stand with me. Sometimes, it's interesting. I was just telling somebody the other day, and I'll, someday I'll share this story, but sometimes there's what we call a miracle is the actual supernatural work of God in cooperation with natural men. Okay? A widow has oil, all the oil she needs because of a supernatural act of God but the cooperation of the woman. And, and I believe this morning, I want you to understand something. That God wants to do a miracle in your life, but this miracle that he's going to do in your life is going to be twofold. It's going to be one. It's going to be your cooperation with him as the seed of God gets deposited into your life. And it's going to be the, it's going to be the combination of his work and your willingness that creates this fruit. Amen? You know what I'm talking about this morning? And, and so I want to say to you this morning that, that listen, you, if, you, if you will do your part, he will do his part. I'm just promising you that. This is a message about the Word of God. It is a message. A part of the series, it is written. And I ask you today, where is it written? It is written in the soil. It's not just written in the book. What's in the book needs to become written in the soil. How many of you say today, write it in the soil, God? Write it in the soil, God. Write it in the soil. Always intrigued me. Jesus changed the destiny of a life when he wrote the, of the life of a woman when he wrote the word of God in the soil. Say, God, shape my destiny by what you write in the soil. Come on, church. Get hungry for the word of God.